Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Me and Elvira, we came there and we, we're all dressed up. Elvira got hat, pearls, gloves. Oh, we were sharp. Trust, trust. There was a guy singing a guitar and a lady just singing and they were like, Kumbaya, my lord. And I'm like, oh my goodness, not only are they dressed crazy, but it's dead in here, honey. It's dead. It's a dead folks. They're dead. The church is dead. I told Elvira, let's sit in the back in case we got to run. I want to be close to the door. But I tell you what, when he, the pastor, began to preach the word verse by verse, I said, Elvira, this church is alive. And I, I honestly, it changed my life. Can you clap better than that? Can you clap better than that? Because it is the word that gives life. It is the word that gives life and not all these external accoutrements that mean nothing in the heart of God. What you wear to church does not matter to God. How big your Bible is does not matter to God. Get this, how much money you give does not matter to God. Some folks think, well, if I don't tithe, I'm going to be cursed. No, you won't. No, you won't. God's not going to curse you because God's not, God is a God of blessings, not a God of curse. And if you don't want to give, don't. God said, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. This church doesn't belong to Pastor Rodney. It don't belong to you. If God can't take care of it, it can't be taken care of. That's right. So we get into all these rules and all these legalistic trips and all of this stuff. And the church has become this unnatural thing of rules and regulations. And Jesus said the workers of iniquity have come and they've made their home in it. And Jesus said the kingdom of God, the church has been permeated with evil things. Evil things have lodged in its branches. One of the devil's devices in opposing God's kingdom, listen at this, is to introduce leaven or false teaching or false doctrine into the church. Don't you know that Satan loves false teaching and false doctrine? Satan loves a lot of truth and a little lie. Did you hear me? Satan loves a lot of truth and a little lie. That's like a little poison. A little poison, (laughs) a little poison is just as bad as a lot of poison. Poison is poison. Satan likes a little, a lot of truth and a little lie. Satan loves to get people confused. Don't you know God is not the author of confusion? You got confusion in your relationships, confusion in your home. Confusion on the job, confusion in this situation. That, that's not God. Satan loves to get people confused. The History Channel. I love the History Channel. I love to watch it. And, the, and every, have y'all noticed this? Every so many months on the History Channel, 
They are looking for the real Jesus. Searching for Jesus. I'm like, look, you can end your search. Any Christian that has been a Christian for more than a month can tell you exactly where Jesus is. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, making intersection for you, and he is waiting for the Father to say, go, and he is coming back someday. You can end your search, but they're always looking for Jesus. Looking for the real Jesus. No, they think they found him over here. You have not found him because he's not in the tomb. But all that's to confuse people. Satan loves to get people to question the word of God, to question the Trinity. The Bible teaches that there is one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Satan denies the virgin birth. He denies the work on the cross. He denies the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And listen, if you deny any of these things, that is leaven. And that's what's happening in the church today. Many great denominations are denying The word of God. Don't ever, ever, ever forget the Bible is the final authority. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E is the book for me and it's the book for you. It's God's final word to man. It's the final authority. The final authority is not the church. The final authority is not the Pope. Yeah, I said it. It's not the Pope. It's not church dogma, tradition, intellect, or experience. It's the word of God for everything we believe and everything we do. And when you reject, question, change the word of God, you are in trouble, and that is leaven. Can I get a witness from anybody? That's leaven. Now notice, we got to move on. We got to move on. We got to move on. Look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. Look at Luke 13, 22. If you're looking at it, say amen. And when he went through the cities... And the villages teaching and journeying through Jerusalem. Then one said to him in verse 23, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he will answer and say to you, I don't know you. Where are you from? And then you will begin to say, well, we ate and we drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't know you. Where are you from? Depart from me, all you workers of sin or of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see, get it? When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out They will come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south, and they will sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first in verse 30, and there are first who will be what, saints? Last. Now, again, give me your attention. Jesus is in the last six months of his ministry, and he's traveling from city to city and villages and teaching and heading toward Jerusalem. And then someone says, how many are going to be saved? few. Now listen, the rabbis used to love to debate the question of how many will be saved. But notice Jesus' response. Jesus doesn't get drawn into their debate. Jesus says, the question is, 
are you saved? Look at verse 24 and 25. Jesus said, you strive. Are you looking at it? Jesus said, you strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many will seek to enter and not be able. And after the master of the house has shut the door and you're standing there knocking, asking to get in, he will say, I don't know you. And then in verse 26, then they will begin to say, we ate, we drank with you, and we fellowship with you. Our modern day language, we hung out with you. We went to the men's retreat, the women's retreat. We even rented a teen. We even came to the yard sale and the, 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 all the youth sale yesterday. What do you mean you don't know us? And in verse 27, Jesus will say, I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Verse 28, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God, but you will be thrust out. Jesus is talking to the religious people who are, pre, who are presuming that they are better than others because they are religious. And that's interesting because that tells us that there will be a consciousness in hell. Notice there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, but you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, we'll fast forward just a little bit, not now, but to Luke 16, and we'll get to the story of Abraham and the rich man in, 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 in hell and, 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 and the conversation in Luke 16 that they're able to have between, obviously, this great chasm between hell and heaven. I can't explain that, but I do know this. In hell, you will be able to see. In hell, you will be able to feel. In hell, you will have a consciousness. You will know what's going on around you. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And notice in verse 29, and many will come from the east, the west, the north, and the south and sit down in the kingdom. Well, that tells us that many will be saved and will sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Noah will sit down with Ezekiel and Elijah and Paul and Barnabas, and Peter. I can't wait to sit down with Peter. I got to ask him some questions. Peter, I mean, what was up with that, man? You woke up and you cut the guy's ear off. What was up with that? Were you going for the head? But you're a fisherman and not a swordsman, so you missed and you cut the guy's ear off. What was up with that? And then Jesus picks up the ear, puts it back on, on the guy's head, and he probably looked at Peter and said, Peter, one more time, man. This is the last miracle I'm giving you. This is a Benny. I got to ask Peter. But you'll be sitting down with Peter and Whitfield and Spurgeon, the Prince of Pete Preachers, C.H. Spurgeon. I can't wait to talk to him. And I want to tell him, I quoted you almost every week. You're my favorite preacher. And then I quoted you. I plagiarized your stuff so much. I want to tell him. And Dr. Livingston and Billy Graham, and Chuck Smith, and all of these great theologians throughout all time. You'll get to sit with them. Jesus says, so strive to enter into the narrow gate. The word strive, are you taking notes? The word strive is the Greek word agonizo, or to agonize. It means to put your heart to it, to press. Now, this isn't saying strive like making the Olympic trials, or you get the goal because you ran faster or you huffed and puffed and you blew the blue salvation down. 
No, Ephesians tells us that we are saved by what, saints? Grace and through faith. But this is a warning to avoid um, complacency and theoretical attitude towards your eternal destiny. We need to be at war with sin. So you strive to enter in. Did you get that? You strive to enter in. You know, there's always people asking, well, you know, you say to them, well, God, you know, is coming back. And if you're, if you're not ready and you don't receive Jesus, then, then, then you're going to be separated from God. And there's always people who say, well, what about the pygmies in Africa? Well, these people leave those people alone. You know, what about the pygmies in Africa? You mean to tell me that God is going to judge the pygmies in Africa? I'm like, wait a minute. Let me ask you a question. Are you a pygmy? Are you even from Africa? Do you have any pygmy family members? Is your auntie a pygmy? Is your uncle a pygmy? Your brother, your mother, your sister, are they pygmies? Then why are you worried about the pygmies in Africa? You don't even know no pygmies. Sorry. Or, oh, what about the Eskimos? I mean, there's people in Eskimos and, you know, they, they may not have never heard the gospel and so on and so forth. Listen, don't worry about them. You don't, you're not to worry about them. You strive to enter in. That's what I tell them. Don't be concerned with them. What about you? I'm telling you about the gospel right now. What about you? See, they're just doing that to divert the attention. You strive to enter in. Don't be concerned with someone else. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, don't worry about those guys. Because when you stand before God at the judgment throne, you will give an account for your life. Listen, every man, every woman will give an account for their life. Individually. I don't care if your daddy was a preacher. You can't go to heaven because your daddy was a preacher. You can't go to heaven because your mama was an evangelist. You, somebody once said, God does not have any grandchildren, only sons and daughters. You have to give your life to Jesus and you have to make a decision to come to Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You have to come to Jesus, right? And you can't get into heaven on anybody else's coattail. You have to give your life to him because you want to. And when you stand before God, God is going to ask you about you. Now notice it says the gate is narrow. Listen, it's not narrow in a prohibitive sense. For example, like there's thousands of people trying to get in through one entrance at a time, like at the RBC Center. You know, you like to go to RBC Center and like there's like a big whatever show, game, whatever it is. And there's like thousands of people. I've been in these lines. And they're like, everybody's pressing on you. And you, you ever been, anybody know what I'm talking about? And there are people all up on you and stuff. And I got my hand on my wallet. I'm sorry. Folks is pressing up on me. I'm like, got my hand. Because folks, they'll, they'll steal from me. Folks be stealing. Everybody at the RBC Center ain't saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and that with fire. I got my hand on my wallet, man. So people, you know, and everybody's kind of crowding and trying to get through all at one time. Listen, it's not, the gate's not narrow in a prohibitive sense. And, and people rushing and trying to get through. You know, I got to be honest with you. You know, I have to, I, I was, I've been guilty of that, actually. I'm just keeping it real and vulnerable in the pulpit. You know, we trying, everybody trying to get through one time. As soon as that gate opened, I'm like, boom. I'm like, yeah, I'm elbowing people and... Oh, I'm sorry I stepped on your face. Let me pray for your healing. Lord, Lord, heal him. Yeah. 
like everybody else, trying to get through the gate. Listen, it's not narrow in a prohibitive sense where there's thousands of Christians and the door is only open so wide and everybody's pushing. Not prohibitive. Listen, if you're taking notes, you write it down. It's narrow in the sense that there's only one way to be saved. There's only one way. Millions of people can fit through the gate, but there's only one gate. And the reason you have to strive to enter into that gate, because there's a lot of people pointing you to a different gate. The Jehovah's Witnesses are at that gate telling you about paradise. The Mormons are at that gate telling you about the magic glasses that Joseph Smith wore to read the hieroglyphics telling you that Mormonism is the only way. The Hare Krishnas are at that gate telling you to pick gate number three, pick gate number four. And you got Christian science, which I don't know if there's any greater oxymoron on the planet. Christian science. They are neither Christian nor is it science. But they're at the gate. There are all kinds of obstacles that keep you from entering the right gate. The world is an obstacle. The devil is an obstacle. And probably the worst obstacle is your own flesh. Is your own flesh. There's only one gate. Jesus said in John 10, write that down. Jesus said, I am the door. And if you don't come through him, no entrance. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is saying, agonize with strenuous zeal and making sure you're entering in. But here's the good news, saints. You're going to love this. Anyone who wants to step through the gate can. Are you glad about it? Anybody who wants to. Now, if you don't want to, don't. But if you want to, you can. And when you do, you're going to find forgiveness. You're going to find eternal life. So then the question, listen, is have you entered the right gate? Notice in verse 30, and I leave you with this. The last, go ahead and look at it one last time. The last shall be first and the first shall be what, saints? Last. Can you know, you know, listen, I am a witness to this verse. I am the last. I am the last person who would have ever thought that I would be in a pulpit, pastoring the church, teaching the word of God week after week, and God using my life. Some of you know, maybe you don't know, but I am from Philadelphia, and my father is a drug dealer. And I started doing drugs when I was nine years old. And I did not stop doing drugs until I was 21 years old. I missed junior high. I don't remember high school. But when Jesus came into my life, January 23rd, 1982, it was a Saturday evening at 730 at the Friendly Church of God in Christ on San Diego Street in Oceanside, California. When God came into my life and changed me and opened up my eyes, I have never been the same. That was 27 years ago. And if there's anybody, and if there's anybody, listen, if there's anybody, listen, when you got saved, you need to write that date down. For me, it was radical. I'm telling you, I know it's not this way for everybody. When people get saved, some folks, they're not like lights, fireworks, dancing bears, and the whole nine thing. I, I know that. But for me, it was. It was radical. God changed my life. 
And I am the last person who would have ever thought that God would do what God has done in my life. So I go home to Philadelphia and I like to go to the neighborhood, knock on the doors where people I used to hang out and knock on the door and see if folks still live there. And I knock on the door and I go, hey, Miss Gloria, Day Day, this guy named David, we used to call him Day Day. Day Day, how you doing, man? Rodney, man, hey, good to see you. Come on in. You get to talking. What are you doing now? What do, what do you do? I go, I'm a pastor. They go, what? <laughs> then you know you're shocked when you get up in the higher octaves, you know. What? <laughs> I go, yeah, I'm a pastor. They go, what kind of pastor? <laughs> I go, wait a minute. What do you mean what kind of pastor? There's only one kind of pastor, foe <laughs> of a church. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Listen, I cannot believe what God has done in my life. I cannot believe it. Honestly, I am the least likely individual. I can't believe it. And keep in mind, I've been doing it for 15 years. And now we're doing four services on the weekend. And I can't believe it. And I remember when I told this lady that God was calling me. And I told you guys this story. So if you've heard it before, bear with me. Bear with me. But this lady, I'll never forget her name, is Joan LeBruno. And Joan LeBruno was a little lady with white hair, LeBruno, Italian. And I came up to her. God had spoke to me just as clear as I'm speaking to you. And God said, you're a pastor's pastor out of nowhere. You're a pastor's pastor. God told me that. And I didn't know what that meant. I really didn't. I, I didn't know. I wrote it down in my journal. I'm like, what does this mean? I'm a pastor's pastor. And I went and talked to my pastor. And I said, do you think that God could be calling me to be a pastor? Because I thought when I heard that, I thought, man, that must be bad pizza or God is really speaking. And I went to my pastor. I said, you think God could be calling me to be a pastor? He said, yes. And then we decided to move here, and I told Joan LeBruno in the parking lot at Calvary Chapel in Temecula, California. I said, you know, God's called me to be a pastor. She says, yeah, I know. I said, what do you mean I know? You know. She says, I could see it all over you. I could see that. And then she looks at me, and she says, come here. She was a short little lady like this, so I got to leap down like that. And she said, come here. And she took me by my, 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 my face. My face was a little fatter than I had fat cheeks. And she grabbed me by my cheeks and she said, let me tell you something. God's going to bless you with a big church, but don't you get the big head. (laughs) She did. And I'm looking at her like, yes, ma'am. What do you say? And who would have ever thought 15 years later that God would do what he has done in my life? And I am telling you that to tell you this. If God can do what God has done in my life, he can do anything. We are talking about a God who can do anything anything. I want every person to clap your hands like you mean it and that you understand what I'm saying. God can do anything. You hear me? God can do anything. Anything. There's nothing God can't do. Nothing. And I like to tell people I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can change anybody because he can do anything because he's a good God. And he desires that no man be separated from him. 
God sent his son to die on Calvary's tree so that no one would have to go to hell. And if people want to go to hell, they have to cross right over the cross of Jesus and the blood that was shed. They got to walk right by it because Jesus died to keep you from going there. And you don't want to go there. And you don't want to go there. And Jesus is saying, listen, all this text boils down to one thing. And it's not church tithing, and it's not church attendance, and it's not church participation or affiliation or denomination or ceremonies you kept. It all boils down to this. When you stand before Jesus, are you listening? He isn't going to quiz you on theology. And he's not going to say, were you Catholic? Were you Methodist? Were you Pentecostal? Were you Baptist? Were you Baptocostal? Were you Calvary Chapel? He's not going to say any of that to you when you stand before him. Listen, God's going to ask you one question. He's going to say, do we know each other? Boils down to that. Do you know him? Do, we, do you have a relationship like Veronica was talking about? Is that relationship there? It doesn't matter how much you come to church. It does not matter. As a matter of fact, I've told you in the past, coming to church can be a very dangerous thing. Because the more you know of this word, you listen to me. The more you know of this word, the more accountable you will be held to that which you know. Coming to church is dangerous. Because you start learning more and you're hearing more. And one day God's going to say, do we know each other? And he might even play the DVD from the day service. Yeah, you heard. Yeah, that's you. He'll zoom in. You know how the camera zoom in with the light on just you? God got one of those. You know, zoom in with the light just on you. Yep, there you are, right there. You heard it. Did you make a commitment? Did you give your heart to him? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.